Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we recap or rewatch television shows we really enjoy and talk about the themes, content and characters could be used in your role-playing games. I've just realized that I don't actually re-watch a lot of these shows, I am watching them for the first time. Because I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by my co-host Afif who is currently on trial for using magic in some sort of technology when he wasn't supposed to. Um, that's actually more of a storyline appropriate to the nation of Demacia than Piltover and Zorn. Look, I'm just going by what happened in this episode of Arcane. Episode 2 from Season 1. Some mysteries are better left unsolved, in which the idealistic inventor Jace attempts to harness magic through science despite his mentor's warnings. Criminal Kingpin Silku tests a powerful substance. That's a really great synopsis, Jeremy. should do that for all the episodes. I really should, because uh, we forgot last week. Um, although, I didn't, I guess that's kind of what happened in this episode. There was a little bit more, you know, political or political revolutionary stuff going on and oppression and, like, people getting beaten up and cool stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of set. I'm honestly surprised at how much they kind of fit in to the episode. Yeah. Uh, with the way like there were like really like by the end of it it was like oh like stuff's moving it's not just like this isn't just a setup for stuff later it's like it's already happening and i was like oh yeah yeah yeah, there's stuff going on like it ends with basically v giving herself up so that her friends and sister can can have life like she's all contacted the enforcers i love that they called the enforcers like they're not a police force they are the enforcers it's like we are just a bigger gang aren't we I mean, technically, yeah, they, they're not like, there's not like an official branch of government in Piltover. Mm. Wait, seriously? They're just a gang? Kind of, a little bit, yeah. Piltover wow. is kind of run just by like the major houses and stuff, at least in, in my canon. That, that seems fair. Like, what is, okay, what is Pilter? I, this is the episode where we start getting into questions about the world building. I start actually delving a little bit deeper. Because well, they start to we start. Well, we start not in Piltover. We start probably right. the Freljord. I mean, you're wrong. We start in Piltover. We start Do with we? the explosion we saw from last week. Does it not um, start in the frozen place? It flashes back to that. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's the real thing. Oh, I mean, I'll give I'll give it to you. <laughs> but I I like this idea of seeing the events we saw last time from another angle. Like that to me is yeah, that's super gold. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea of like the connecting stories and the connecting worlds and basically that idea of, hey, you're going to see some characters kind of cross over, but these main people you're following don't know each other. Nothing to do with each other. Um, yeah, I love Especially, running games like that. I think it's a real like when you're not expecting it as well. Like you've done a whole first episode and you're like, okay, it's going to pick up with the, sec- with the first episode stopped. And it does eventually, yeah. but at first it's like, oh no, there's there's other people that are essentially you're saying they're just as important, right? Because we're going yeah. back and we're seeing it from their point of view. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, well, this is going to be their story too, because we've seen that aspect of it. And now we get to see more of that story that we thought we knew. We get to see the other version of it. Yeah. And they are very mm-hmm. important characters for definitely for moving the plot forwards and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. That that makes sense, Jace. I can only assume. Um, yeah, let's let's assume so. Uh, Jace, voiced by the amazing Kevin Alejandro um, from Lucifer, as mentioned previously. Uh, yeah, super awesome, um, super hot. 
Um, like everyone in Runeterra. That's yeah, well, that's just canon. a given. That's canon in my home game. <laughs> it's canon. Everyone's super hot. Everyone is just super hot. There's no explanation. Even, or even like the super like the yodel sex weirdly. Worker, yeah. yeah, the yodel sex work. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. Um, yes, but then we flash back to him in the frozen north, like learning about magic uh, or seeing magic done, and being like, "Ooh, magic's kind of pretty good." Um, yeah, and there's a really nice touch later on as well, where when his mom is talking, you see she's got like metal finger kind of prosthetics. Yeah, because um, of the frostbite. Fingers, yeah, because of the frostbite. Yeah, yeah. Do, do we learn here why they were up there or they were just there? No, and um, there's a mysterious figure. Uh, so, you know, which I don't, I'm not about that actually see this don't don't tell me um this is where the questions start to come because the first one first episode we just kind of got thrown into the world we saw this is the world enjoy see what happens we kind of get a bit of a storyline we get the the characters hopes and dreams and motivations here we get oh what's this about magic like why is he why is he doing that why why is he doing those magic things why is he seeing all these things and i start to and when he's um, talking to people as well, as Jace is talking to more people, as the trial progresses, he explains why this explosion occurred because he was trying to harness magic into technology. And this is where I'm like, wait, you're not already doing that? Because you got flying ships and shit. You got like all yeah. these really cool, amazing things. Are they not using magic? Are they just um, like this, over the yeah, top steampunk? They've kind of diverted a lot from the canon um first of all that mysterious stranger at the start there's a very strong implication of it being a a character that would be well known to the league of legends community right so like when I oh he's one, that I'm guy like, i'm like it's it's probably that guy it's probably it's probably the guy um gosh but obviously you yeah for you it's like i don't know it's just some chump like he's just yeah it's some chump who saved him with magic sure all right cool i'm down with that um but again you know super cool visuals and everything was like really well well done um okay yeah, but the magic it, thing yes the magic thing right so all this stuff we're seeing so what is it when last week when um what's her face uh powder like throws out mouser and does a little explosion what's that pink dust is that not magical powder no, is it not, not magical, magical. there's some weird sort of smoke bomb there is actual magic in Runeterra. Um, okay. Obviously, they, they show it in this episode. Um, but it's not... So, there's a different region called Demacia. Um, oh, I see. It's very racist to, ma to mages and to magic people. Wait, um, this isn't racist to mages and magic people? Well, essentially, I think what they've done is they've taken the themes and ideas from that region and from those stories, and they've kind of worked them in to to the Arcane series, basically, when they were writing Arcane. They were like, we kind of really like this idea. I do like how they deal with it, because what's the, the Yordle, was it? The Yordles, the little guys? Yes. Yordles are also magical in official yeah. canon, so it's... Well, I kind of, because there's, there's one in this where he like works for the Academy or something. He's like 300 years old and he's like, I remember what happened when magical there's technology was a, a thing yeah. that I, yeah. I was there when the cataclysm came sort of thing. But I 
quite liked that because they're saying, look, magic's fine. Magic's all good, but you've got to be born with magic. You can't inject it into your veins and get magic. That's not how it works. That way is really bad for everyone. And a lot of the time, I, particularly in dark fantasy um, and general fantasy, magic is more seen as just all magic's bad. If you do magic, it's bad. Yeah, you're just a weirdo. Like we get the Inquisition and we get the Inquisition out and you get the tortures and the hot pokers and stuff just because you can do magic because that's very much a real world magic from the devil sort of aspect, the satanic panic. Where as I like that idea that magic is natural, but we don't want to mess with it because it will create problems. So if you've got it, that's great. You can use it. You're safe. If you don't, you don't know how to operate it properly. Don't do it. So it felt less discriminatory in that aspect. I liked that there was safe magic, as it were. We don't understand it, but all right, well, that's the thing. That's why I've got science. Don't mix the two. Yeah, it's a good way of approaching it for sure. Um, and I, I've actually done kind of that in my games as well, or in other games, mm. actually, not the Rune Terror campaign. Um, and it's an it's it's an interesting dynamic as well because for it's something that I think a lot of People when they play D and D, they take for granted as well. They're like, "Yeah, like yeah, magic, yeah, magic exists in D and D. Why would why would people have a problem with that?" And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, "No, racism." I think yeah, again, but sometimes you don't want to deal with racism. Yeah, like you're there to have fun. You'd much rather have a game where, and particularly if you're wanting to play a magician, you wanted to be there because you want to do magic stuff. You don't want to always be like, "Okay, now I've got to hide it under my cloak as I do this little spell as I cast prejudication to make my salad taste like chocolate." just because I, I prefer it that way. I can see why you'd want to have all of that that real-world aspect to it, but I think having it this way means you get to have it, your cake and eat it too. Like, you get to have, I'm the magician, and everyone's like, ooh, a magician. Little kid, don't you try magic, because that'll get your mum killed. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and in, in my campaign, they have not spent much time in Demacia. They did not like it there. <laughs> Having to do it with some of your players, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Um, magic, do you find that people are like, cool, magic's not liked here? Let's get the hell out. It's just, it's a chance for the marshals to shine, and then it's like, no. No. I certainly, I'm in a Grim Hollow game. That's uh, Grim Hollow from Ghostfire Gaming. Um, and magic is very much disliked by some areas of the community. Not all of them, but there was a strong element of it. And knowing that, I decided to play a character who has absolutely no magic whatsoever. And he has literally no opinion. He's like, yeah, really don't care if you use magic or not. Just don't use it on me. Is he a, like, uh, he's, he's a centrist, like libertarian or something like. A little bit. Yeah. He's, he's the worst of the worst. Um, he really is just like, yeah, you guys, I mean, it's probably bad that people are like chucking you into fires and stuff, but what have you done for me lately? Like, why, why should I care? I don't have magic. You're all a bunch of twats. Uh, anyway, magic. So um, I do want to mention another magic thing, and this is a bit more of the flavor. So towards the end of the episode, when the, what do you call, when the enforcers raid, what was it the last drop? Is that the name of the bar? The Last Drop, yeah. It's a very, yeah. very clever name. I like it. It's an awesome name for it. 
um, when they raid it and he like pulls the lever and it like sets off the little monkey downstairs to let the kids know to hide. That felt like a really- For monkeys, yes. Well, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know about spoilers. A lot of foreshadowing. There's a lot. You'll come back later and be like, oh, the monkey. Fucking monkeys, man. It's always monkeys. Um, I liked- That's the same monkey from Toy Story 3. Really? Are we already in the fun trivia aspect? All right, we're doing the fun trivia part. All right, I'll I'll explain why I thought it was fun, and then we'll do fun trivia. Um, I like that way of flavoring spells, particularly when you get something like an artificer in D&D, where instead of like casting the alarm spell, which is like a, a golden thread across a doorway or whatever, you have something like that, that it does. It sets off a little monkey that claps and when that stops clapping you that's how long it's taken someone to walk down the stairs so you know that's how long you've got yeah flavor is free guys like you don't have to invent new spells and stuff like that just use the same spell but just call it something else yeah yeah that's what i love about the savage world system it literally has this is a power bolt what it looks like what it does totally up to you but it rolls like this like this is what it rolls this is how much damage it does. You decide on the damage. You decide on if it's got any extra stuff. That's it. It's nice. very simple. Yeah. The flip side is that some people are terrible at coming up with stuff. So It's true. Yeah. They they kind of need it. Um just as like if you're if you're wanting to do that in your game and you're like come up with the thing. Describe it. And they're like oh, I don't know. That's something to look out for. That's when you give people the clichés and the options. Like, I do this in our games at Fortress quite often. I'll say, hey, cool. So you're casting Magic Missile. What does it look like? Is it little darts of light? Is it little glowing green orbs? Is it floating daggers? Kind of getting, giving them some examples and then going, but if you want one of those, that's great. If you don't, cool. What do you got? What do you got for me? Yeah, that's a good, uh, good middle ground. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting, um, this is something I also do with the Warlocks Eldritch Blast, and it's interesting that everybody comes up with the same one for that one. Oh, what do you always get? Well, see, I always give them the examples like, is it like a little bolt of purple energy? Is it like shadows coming off your arm and shooting at them? And everyone's like, no, it's electricity. It's Ebra Palpatine shit. <laughs> you get that every time. <laughs> <laughs> at least seven of ten times i question the validity of this survey all right well look how if i said it was like 3.5 out of five uh times no that doesn't make any sense now you just been ridiculous. yeah yeah uh so anyway flavor yeah it's an easy way to give your games a lot more character um i feel like it makes it feel a bit more unique Rather than just, oh yeah, I do the same thing that I've always done. It's like, no, we get to come up with a little thing and make it like here that because it's a very tech heavy world, yeah, it's going to be a little mechanical thing that that warns them. Yeah. And he's adorable. Hmm. Yes, there's nothing nothing wrong with monkeys at all. Uh now, going back to fun trivia, um, because I was, me- I was this doing a t- bit. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm pretending that I don't know what happens in the next episode. Um, (laughs) That's my bit. Uh, 
So the fun trivia for this also ties in with Spider-Man, as promised last week. So the enforcer that busts in and is all like, oh, you used to be a tough guy, Vanda. Um, he is Marcus. He is voiced by Remy He, uh, who was previously on Neighbours in Australia, because he is Australian. But he yeah, was also... He's very Australian, as you'll hear. He tries American. He actually does a pretty good American accent because he is Brad Davis from Spider-Man Far From Home. Brad Davis? Yeah, he's the the kid in in Spider-Man Far From Home because we're apparently going back through that plot because it's after the snap in the Marvel Universe. Uh, So he was one that didn't get snapped away. So he was like this little kid when they went away and now he's five years older suddenly. So everyone's like, oh, wow, Brad suddenly got hot and he's like old and like grown up. Uh, So yeah, he's the one that's all like into MJ. Oh, that's a deep cut. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Uh, Spider-Man, one of the most famous films ever. Sure. I don't know if that's the yeah. I don't know if that's what people remember about Spider Man is Brad. Davis. They should. He's a really good actor, and but hey, it's a spot. He's like a. He's got a plot. They point out that he really shouldn't be spending so much time focused on what Peter's up to, um, because you know that's creepy to watch him in the bathroom. Um, and he plays a really good jerk in this. I was really impressed. Um, I also love the voice actress who does the police captain. Oh, yeah. Uh, I could listen to that voice all day. That's an amazing. I think it's, um, what's the captain's name? Is it Sevica? No, no, no. That's someone who comes up later. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I need to know. I need to know. Grayson? Is it Mel Madada? No. She's in this episode. Melmodata is the council member who like buys the thing and is like scheming. She's the schemer. Oh yeah, she's got an amazing voice too. Yeah. A lot of good, yeah, mm. just a lot of solid talent. Yeah, it's it's amazing actors in this. Like we saw um Yuri Laurenfell last time. Uh apparently Erica Lindbeck is gonna come on later. So some some role playing and alums as well. Uh because they've both been on Critical Role adjacent shows. Nice. Uh, and topical, Erica Lindbeck, who isn't actually in this episode, but I'm just bringing it up, um, played Barbie in a lot of stuff. Because, sure, Is we're talking about Barbie, Barbie now. I don't know. I haven't seen Are the Barbie movie yet. To get the hashtags. That's right. <laughs> SEO, everybody. Are you Some people could say, you know, that these the threat of trying to create Hextech and magic is like splitting the atom, right? Like you, you mock. That is literally what I was thinking when I saw this magical cataclysm that the Yordle was like looking like flashbacking to when he was all like, I've seen what magic unchecked could bring what raw, what evil it wroughts or whatever. And it's like, I've seen how horrible it can be when it's in the wrong hands. I was like, so it's an atom bomb. You're basically saying it's an atomic bomb. Like, is this is this what you're saying? Uh, no, and yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> it's totally different. Is that an element of the League of Legends canon that, like, sometimes magic is is bad and and creates um, nuclear waste? Yeah, there was these very powerful magical artifacts called the World Runes, and there were the Rune oh, Wars yeah. where people fought over them, and that was like three thousand years ago. But he's only three hundred. How does he remember these things? 
Is well, he lying to us? Adapting, you know, it's trying to. Uh, the number of times I've had to explain to the players in my campaign that it's like Arcane's not can, right? Because you saw it on, saw it on that. But it's so much better. <laughs> it is very, it is very polished and very pretty, and you know, you want it to be uh, to be canon, but then it just breaks yeah. everything else in the world. So. I see. I see. Do you like that idea of having like a massive cataclysm in your world? Like having something that the societies and civilizations are trying to recover from in that um, regard. And so that's like based on a, a past event, not a, not yeah. a coming. No, like a big past event that has kind of shaped how everybody sees the world now. Like in this, everyone's a bit wary of magic because magic did a bad thing many years ago. Um, yeah, I dig it. I think that's a good way to to start off a campaign. I think that's what I would do for a, a future campaign. Even that's one of my ideas for a future campaign. So you would start it with this this major major event kind of thing. Yeah, like a or would you... like a post apocalyptic fantasy essentially. Okay, interesting. Because that's called Dragonlance. Um... <laughs> no, it's an original idea. No, ever <laughs> with had with lots of dragons. <laughs> And a few dungeons. No. I feel that that's something... I don't know where we get this idea from, but it is a really good way of doing fantasy worlds. And I think any sort of RPG or sort of speculative fiction world that you have had some event in the past that has changed the world from what we would necessarily know it as. That it does become like... This is why people hate mages. This is why people hate technology. This is why the dragons went away. This is why whatever. And yeah. a lot of the adventures that the players then go on are tied into that. Well, I think it's that thing as well of like the players are so often in a story, you've got these like main characters and so much of the world revolves around them. But then usually in an RPG, it's like, no, there's a bigger world, right? And there's other bigger movers and shakers who are doing things and it would make sense that if all you have to do is like sit in a room and kill a hundred rats a day to be able to summon a, a swarm of meteors from the sky like that there would be other people out there that are capable of shaping, <laughs> shaping yeah. the world yeah yeah um and they're not always good about it they don't they don't like those things no there's always just more evil because more evil is more interesting <laughs> yeah I'm, what, I'm just wondering where this idea comes from. Do you think it's because our history, the 20th century, always has something going back, like a big world-shaping event? Like you've got the Napoleonic Wars, you've got World War II, you've got you know the rule of Hammurabi. You've always got something that the previous generations had to deal with that has changed how we live. You've got 9-11. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that those would be, I guess, I mean, what other kind of, the only other kind of landmark moments I think are usually like technological based that really shape the world, you know. Mm. Or like aliens exist, because we're all about that right now. Love aliens. I think that's something that um, sci-fi and things looking forward are about a creation about technology and where that takes us. And like, that's the moment. It's like, this is when the AI was formed. This is when I'm really hitting the SEO today, aren't I? Um, this is 
what changed our world for the better or in a progressive way, whereas the cataclysms that we see in fantasy, uh, this is what changed the world and took us backward. Yeah, I mean, it could be like a lot of different factors, I guess. You know, you could say that it's, you could argue that it's like to keep it in a pseudo medieval level of technology, right? That the world yeah. has to reset. Um, yeah. You could use it as a, like a justification point. for the, there's always like ancient ruins and stuff. And it's like, well, if there's ancient ruins, it had to be, something had to ruin it, you know? Like, yeah. I think there's a there's a book series called The Tide Lords from Jennifer Fallon. And that idea is that there are certain immortals in the world who are able to access magic. Um, but they are, can only access it when the tide when the magical tides are high. And when the tides are low, they're just kind of people. But they don't die because they're still connected to the magic. And the thing is, whenever the tide is high, they end up clashing with each other and end up destroying whatever world they're on. Or like destroying, you know, all the civilizations. They're dropping fiery mountains from the sky. So it's this cycle of, well, the tide's high. We're all probably going to die, or someone, something's going to go wrong because of this. And there's this this cycle to the cataclysms. That's right. It's rhymes are a great way of of having prophecies. Yeah, it's a great way to lessen (laughs) the the apocalypse. If the tide is high, we're all going to die is probably one of the more um, contemporary phrases that uh, we're going to get used to during the global climate apocalypse. Uh, So I'm just going to put down my patent on it now. So I'm going to, you know, ride that tide pretty high and um, get on my spaceship to Mars later on uh, once I make all that money. So far removed from Arcane. Are you saying that Arcane has no spaceships? I mean, I've got airships. You got me there. Yeah. So eventually they'll have spaceships. Arcane does feel like a show or a, a world. League of Legends feels like a show that they're going to go to the moon at some point. I don't know why. It just feels like, yep, they're going to the moon. Um, I'm looking at my notes and it's all, um, it's all like this aesthetic makes me feel gooey. Teleportation is a thing. Other adventures in the same world is interesting. But we haven't really touched on Jace. Yeah, like we haven't yeah, really new, talked about Jace and his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming this is going to be quite a, a thing because a lot of what he's saying um, and what he's trying to do, or like the the speeches that people are giving to him, particularly Victor, his boyfriend, because there's there's some there's some sparks between the two of them. Um, that matches with what Silco is saying about power when he's threatening the the kid that tried to beat up V and Powder and the other kids in the previous episode. Because he's all like, "What I, I've learned that it's not about the power you have that you were born with. It's about what you have the strength to take. Yeah, And that's kind of what Jace is doing. He's like, no, no, it's not about being innately born with magic. It's about what we can create. Yeah. And like the parallels between like the quote unquote good guys and bad guys and how yeah. fine that line is. Yeah. It's a very, so yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of parallels there. I don't know what Silco's deal is. He seems like a creepy, creepy dude in a basement at this stage who likes to feed cats to rats which i'm not cool with by the way i should have put a warning for the 
for the animal abuse that happened in the last episode. Um, and like the, the mutations and stuff like that. But Jace, we're seeing these parallels. Is he meant to be a little bit more of an anti-hero of he's doing a bad thing for the right reasons? Or is he going down a dark path because of his, his, his interest in science? Like, I like the way he's shot. I like the way he's interest he's he's done. But is he is he an NPC antagonist or is he a player character who's on a on a different path? I'm trying to think how to answer this without without spoiling. All right. <laughs> okay. I feel I like I'm safe. Legends, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's a character from League of Legends. Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay, can you guess which one of the which of the main characters aren't from League of Legends? Hunt. All yeah, right. Uh, well, well, we've established that Vander isn't, or possibly is. Possibly. Possibly. Um, I reckon the the Yordle from the Academy isn't. His name is Heimerdinger. You'd be. Uh, would be incorrect he's, then. He's, he is a. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right. And whenever someone picks him, all the chat goes raise your dongers, and they do a little copy pasta what is wrong with people um all right all right all right i feel that v and powder most certainly are okay it's vi- i don't i don't correct it it's vi it's not v i have to correct it at this point you said v a couple does she get a cooler name sooner i i no, i say that knowing of i i <laughs> that's not really fair um it just i'm just gonna call her hail steinfeld is that okay yeah. or spider gwen because She's awesome. Yeah, um, easy, yeah. yeah, all right. I reckon Milo. Milo's not one. Um, uh, Milo isn't a character. Um, yes. Vi and Powder are. Yeah. I don't know. All right. What about the police captain? I don't think she is. She is not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing well so far. Marcus isn't. Marcus is, a, is an awesome little no. side character, but he's not, um, he's not in the game. Um, Australian Asian person in a mainstream video game. No, I don't think they would at all. Um, I look. I would expect an Asian person, but not an Australian Asian person. Not an Asian person with an Australian accent. That's right. It'd be way too confusing for Americans. Yeah. Um, I reckon Silco is. Silco isn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. He has that look like he should be. Like that weird uh, face yeah, he's a very scar character for this story. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Like his facial scar and his eye and like his relationship with Vanda, it feels like, oh, I've got my fingers in all these pies and I'm someone who deals with everyone. Like I know I'm the the person pulling the strings of all the evil stuff going on. So yeah, surprising that yeah. he. Uh, I'm surprised that he's not. Interesting. Much, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, I feel like I'm one from five for that one. Uh, that's not great for me. This is like as the a, cyberpunk slang all over again. As a little like fun fact, I guess the. I don't think they've given him his name, but like the evil scientist dude that works with Silco. Oh, he seems like he's someone. Yeah, he's a he's a champion from League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's the kind of thing that I'd expect from from a gay. This is uh, again 
Spider-Man, but Homecoming this time, where it's like, hey, we're going to have the Tinkerer. We're not going to call him that because he's always tinkering with stuff. But hey, he's in there. Um, so and the Prowler and all this other stuff. The Rat. The Rat was a Because ch- <laughs> there is a Rat champion in League of Legends. So when there was that whole, the Rat that killed the cat, people were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The- you know what? Why not? <laughs> those, are, those are like the levels of like Easter eggs and people, you know, fan theories and stuff like that. That's a pretty good Easter egg, to tell the truth, because it shows what's going on, and it's just, hey, yeah, you recognize this. Congrats. It's rewarding them, but without that actually- confirmed. I have my doubt. Sure. I, I don't think it really matters, honestly. I, you don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say anything. I might say All right. That. All right. But we're getting away from Jace. Jace, who is in the in the games- um, in the the video game, it is is it game or games? So there's the League of Legends game was the original, and then yeah. the company that made it, Riot Games, is games plural. Uh, and then eventually, like ten years later, they made other games. Okay, so they made a sequel to League of Legends, or they made a spin off no, of League of Legends. They made, then they made they're working some spin offs. They okay, they've licensed the IP to some other companies who've made some games. Um, they, they're working on a fighting game and they made a card game, which we talked about. Yes. Yeah. Last week. Look, if it's not Marvel snap, I don't care. Honestly about Uh, card games. It's actually a good card game. And interestingly, it's done a lot for the law as well. That's Um, interesting. Yes. Uh, I'm always intrigued. Falling apart. If not for this card game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always intrigued when card games have lore attached to them. Because yeah, well, it, it does touch on an interesting thing of like, mm-hmm. so like in League of Legends, all the characters are heroes. They're all, all the champions and they're all these like, you know, bigger, larger than life type characters who are very powerful and influential and stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, in a card game, you can't have all of your cards be these big, powerful things because then no one is big and powerful. Um, yeah. So you have to like fill it out with other stuff. Um, and so in doing so, they expanded the world and they came up with lots of new things and uh, did a lot of world building essentially to make the card game work, uh, which is really handy for me as a DM. Um, it feels a little bit to me that when they created this video game originally, they had no fucking idea what the world was that they were building. Absolutely. They just kind of threw shit at the wall and said, yeah, he's a cowboy. Um, and that's it. Yeah, you would be 100% correct. It's a- All right, cool, cool, cool. I, I respect that a little bit more. Oh. Like a... All right. Explaining to an old man how video games work. Like, not Now watch the joystick. Is this... Is this... Is it... It's not connected. It's not, not, not connected to the Sega, to the, to the Sonic play game. Pong, they just didn't think about <laughs> the, the character growth. The, the they didn't. Growth. All right, look, Pong is one of the best games out there. It's simple. You know what? No, I'm not getting into that. We're not, we're not going to go into that. Um, back to Jace. Um, I don't know why I want to keep bringing up Jace. I feel like he's got a bit of an arc going already. Well, he was the focus of um, this episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Vehicle to explore everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, how do you feel about his backstory if it was a character in an RPG? Like, I felt, I felt it was pretty strong. 
yeah, the mage stuff, and this is why he's doing things. This is his motivation. Do you feel that as a game master, you could throw enough stuff to keep the player invested in that story that they've come up with? Yeah, it's very straightforward. Having a mysterious stranger in the past is like the easiest thing for a DM to like work with, I think. Yeah. It could be anyone, and it could show up at any time, and it's, yeah. It could be your mum. Um, oh, no, wait, it can't be his mum. Yeah, can't be his mum. An adventure that doesn't have a dead mum, yeah. Yeah. Um, but having, like, the, the little rune stone, the thing that's left behind, a little, you know, token MacGuffin is, definitely helps as well, I think. Hmm. And I think yeah. having having a motive and a goal for him as well, like, he's got that that um drive he's got that drive to find out more about how magic works like there's reasons for him to go out on adventures there's reasons for him to be studying stuff and looking in the places that that adventurers go to yeah um and we do see like as well you know it's part of the character building we know that he's kind of reckless when he went down to zorn to to buy kind of illegitimate goods and stuff like that Oh, yeah, because he was the one that kicked it all off. He's the one that he didn't give the tip, but, you know, the tip was, like, tied to him and stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, because they robbed him. Yeah. Um, interesting, but interesting. A lot of, I, lo- I, feel like, I love these connections. I feel like there's a lot in... They do this really well, and I think on a rewatch, there's a lot of little things I think you'd appreciate. Um, but I think... One only I was rewatching. Does, <laughs> one of the things it does really well is all the, just the little gadgets all the little items all the little things they draw a lot of attention to them the magic items right like well the items yeah in general i guess yeah Um, again it comes back to that flavor aspect that we were talking about yeah like those you know the bowler things that the enforcers had and they're throwing out to try and yeah i think Um, that's partly to sorry i'll let you say what you think it's about no, you. I'm going off on a tangent on a new thing. You should keep talking about. Oh, okay. Well, I'll come back to these because I love this idea that it does make these things very special and it feels almost unique because you have this is your electric nose hair trimmer that looks like some sort of weird calipers. This is your odd little gun that shoots darts, and it's like what you do with that. It it makes them again the flavor aspect of it, but it's um makes them feel more connected to the character themselves. Yeah, the- and it's it, little things that, like, you can... It's easy to overlook, and you're like, oh, it's like, it's a spoon. We have spoons in the real world. I don't need to tell you yeah. what a spoon looks like. But then it's like, no, this is my spoon. It looks like this. It doesn't need to make sense. It just works. <laughs> it's a retractable wrench, not just a regular wrench. Or a collapsible wrench, I think I said. Which is, isn't that how his, his mother got into a guild or something? Yeah, how Jason's uh, mother got into a guild? I think that's, in this canon, yeah, I think that's how they've kind of establish them as one of the houses i like the way that we have to establish them as like oh but they're not a fancy house rather than just yeah. say they're not a fancy house but they're, they're just they're know, just people times as rich as, as anyone in zorn yeah exactly and um i was going to make a comment about the fact that they've got two hispanic actors to play or latina i don't know but that's why I'm not saying it because I can't back it up. Um, what well, well, I was going to say earlier as well with just the items and stuff, there's a really, really short, simple, but effective character building thing with Mel Madada. And she's like, when you first meet her and she's oh, just yeah. like 
shopping around for some stuff and then the guy's like oh this is like this is a a, a child's toy you know it's for a child and then you mm-hmm. see her give it later on to one of the other guys yeah she gives it to a guy as like this is made from the most exquisite minds oh <laughs> and he's uh, i love that he's then challenged by it as well but it's so simple it's so just like the tiniest thing it's very efficient you know tight storytelling yeah i just it was really good and just again the aesthetic of it that we don't know how that toy operates but we can see that it's got like these interlocking pieces so we can kind of get an idea of how it it's the kind of thing where at a table you could bring out an object and go and you see something sort of like this and the object does nothing it's like a a vase or something but at the table it's like no, no no that's the magical urn of sugar sugar the sugar sugar you, look it's not the sugar sugar it's just sugar sugar it's like sure um that's also a good that's a great idea for an item to give to your players is make it seem like a really fancy MacGuffin with interlocking pieces and moving parts and yeah. then it just turns out to be a child's toy yeah. which they hold out with uh and try to give to as many people as possible and no 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 i've got my kids have got enough stuff yeah they got the whole set, yeah. You can't buy yeah. more. I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel that items really should be a little bit more personal in a lot of ways like that, that you can describe a lot of details about a world with an item. Like saying a collapsible wrench, that tells you a lot about this world's needs, that they need wrenches that can collapse. And what do you need wrenches that much that you need collapsible ones? And it's like, that's two words. You don't even see one. But it's it's raised all these questions, exactly. uh, which is a little bit better than, I know I've complained on previous series about world building that give you more questions and never give you answers. But that's a lot of the time because they're giving you questions that are important to the plot. Like the classical wrench does not matter about the plot. That is literally just the world around them. That. I don't. Maybe this is going to come back. Geez, I really hope it does. Um, I really want a collapsible wrench. If anyone's got a design for it, send it to uh, dndntvpod at gmail.com. I definitely need to see those things. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I really need to to cover. There wasn't that much that happened in this episode. Like there was a lot of plot element stuff. There was a lot, was of, a lot of the political tension and stuff like that. Yeah which I always find a little bit harder to do in a game because it is much more of a slower burn. Like you need to do it over a number of sessions and kind of like sprinkle it through your games rather than just have it in one little session like this. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's tough to get the players kind of motivated, I think is the main thing. Yeah. Um, it's not like a, you know, if there's like a, like a child surrounded by bandits. It's like, okay, obviously we go save the child or whatever. You know, like you don't, they don't need to necessarily care that much. They just know that this is the thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that makes obviously, sense. Yeah, it's like we, if, if you're delving into the political stuff, you know, they need to be very invested in the world, um, probably work on like backstory stuff, like outside the game as well to, to help facilitate that. Um, but it's just not as it's definitely not as straightforward and again it's you know it's probably a better a better system for it than D. yeah i agree with that um i think 
the character who would be invested in this is going to be Vi. Because she um, is angry. She's got that fire. She's got that fuel and wants things to change. So if you're running a game, that's the kind of character you want to get involved with this stuff. Because they're going to be engaging with it. Yeah. And you can do it with just one character as well. Like one player character. And that can be their kind of, their arc. They can be kind of the focus for a couple of sessions or whatever. Yeah, I think so. There's there's ways to do it. D and D, as as we said, is probably not the best one, um, simply because there's better systems to do it, and it's easier just to steal from them and put it in there. And I think a lot of it is also going to be the role playing aspect of it, that it's going to be more about what the player and the character do rather than what the dice do, because it is machinations and planning, and it's not down to random chance. Yeah. I think it's tough to run that stuff as well because you have to very much keep the big picture in mind at all times and think of how all the things affect all the other things. Hmm, that's true. I feel this is the time to bring up Blades in the Dark for the week um, because I aim to bring it up every episode. This There's a system, that a mechanic in Blades in the Dark called the clock system where you're basically, every time something starts you draw a circle and you divide it into sections and you go, okay, cool. If something goes wrong, I'll fill in a section. And when it's all filled up, the heist's over for want of a better word, um, because that clock's full and things that take more, you create more sections, things that are simple, you create less sections, but that is what you do with factions and politics. And it's like, okay, things are kind of getting a bit tense in your society. So you create a clock. And it's like, okay, cool. You beat up some of the guards. That's going to increase the tension between the guards and the guards are going to start lashing back. So you fill up the clock that says the guards strike back. And, or maybe, um, maybe you do something or you're the guards and you're just striking back. And it's like, if they, this goes un, unstopped, then the populace are going to rise up. So you have a populace revolt clock and you tick those off. As, as things occur. So it's the players seeing these things happen and some of them they can stop, some of them they can't, some of them they can delay, but they're aware that these things are going on in the background. Yeah, that's really cool. You, yeah. you keep bringing up Blades in the Dark. And it's almost like a... Hunt? I have not given up on iHunt. iHunt is a slightly different system, but iHunt is a lot trickier to get people to convince, or convince people to play. Um, and Blaze in the Dark is much easier. So right now, and also this isn't an iHunt show. If we were talking about Supernatural, I'd be talking about iHunt. Arcane feels very much like Blades in the Dark because it's the same sort of steampunky Victorian era magic world. Like it's yeah, I got- do, I do love that. I love Dishonored. Like, Yeah. It's that feel to it. Um, I'm going to start a drinking game for our, for my podcast. And you know what fans, listeners, every time I say blades, of the dark, take a shot. Um, all the, all I'm trying the to think members that are watching that are listening right now are going to get so drunk. Oh, good. Um, and they better be listening, uh, because I'm pretty certain at some point during this series, you're going to reveal something that you don't mean to about your world and i'm not going to edit it out i'm very i'm very conscious of it 
<laughs> I'm trying really yeah. hard. This is why they're going to listen. I've been, I may have had some, some uh, good slip to me, some contraband to lead you in certain directions <laughs> from your players. Uh, anyway, we should wrap it up. I don't think there's too much more we can say about this episode. So come in back next week and um, join us for the base violence needs something. Um, oh, no, sorry. The base violence necessary for change, uh, which is a fucking awesome title of an episode. Honestly, there is one more thing that we need to do before we wrap up the episode entirely, but that is pick the uh, crit hit or the crit fail from the um, from the episode we just watched. Uh, and Afif, I feel like you're not going to really remember as much. You haven't got one picked out as well, uh, simply because I throw you on the spot every week. And this time, this time you're good. I'm going to go first. Uh, this time I'm going to go, I'm going to give crack powder a crit hit. Oh, uh, I don't think shooting? no no that's pretty cool but I feel that's just she's got a high skill She that wasn't a crit um, that's just she's talented I feel that stealth roll when the enforcer's looking oh, around yeah. and she's yeah. just able to hold on that's the kind of role where it's like it shouldn't have happened that should have kicked everything off and somehow the dice just said nah, not today um yeah and uh, honestly it's i remember the first time i was watching that i truly didn't know um because they've really set her up to to fail a lot basically in these yeah. first couple episodes really hammered home uh, except for that shooting scene yeah that was like her one one time being like proficient yeah it feels like that was a good element because you see her she's connecting like all the power stuff she's fixing everything it shows that she's got skills she's just not experienced enough yet that she's just got that fear in the back of her mind. She doesn't see the whole picture. Like, she doesn't see the whole picture. In the previous episode. Yeah. Once she gets level spells, like. That's right. (laughs) Once she gets to level five, it's going to be fine. But yeah, in the previous episode, when she's she's, um, eavesdropping on, on Vi and Milo, and she leaves after Vi's all like, you're right, she is useless. It's like she then doesn't hear Vi be like, yeah, and you're even more fucking useless when you're asking stupid questions. So she doesn't hear the sticking up. It's like she doesn't see the full picture, and yeah. that's why she keeps making mistakes. For sure. Um, I would anyway. give one to Victor. Oh, yeah. I'd say a persuasion check on Jace at the end. Yeah, for saving him, his boyfriend from jumping off um, the edge. Yeah, maybe a good initiative roll to get there in time, perhaps as well yeah. for for a cripple. Just give you that. Yeah, not to to judge him. I mean, there's probably elevators, right? Uh, who knows, right? Maybe he took a skyship <laughs> there, and he maybe he did just drop down. Now, I'm I'm saying Jason Victor. There is Jace a character from the games? What do you think? Uh, oh, no, sorry, Jace is Jace is sorry. Is Victor a character from the games? What do you think? I think no. You'd be incorrect. Damn it! I'm so bad at this. <laughs> uh, there's also another character in this episode who didn't play much of a role, but also is a character from the game. I reckon the one that was all like Van- going to Vander, like, I don't think you've... What was it? Oh, the one I don't think like you're stupid. Yeah. No, she's not. <laughs> uh... 
All right, I don't like this game anymore. This isn't a fun one. <laughs> I, I, I really, I, yeah. uh, I really should have picked Victor was one because weddings are like, I don't even know your name. Oh, it's Victor. Yeah, they, and then it just changes thing, the scenes. Yeah. I'm like, like that feels important. That's why I was like, so they're dating, right? Those two are going to hook up now because he's like, my name's Victor. Oh yeah, I know yours. Or that was I how mean, his voice sounds. Together all the time, yeah, for sure. So, so I'm not wrong in in feeling the tension between the two of them. Oh, there's so much tension. I mean, who wouldn't be so much tension? Face? Like, I mean, like you said, everyone in Rintaro is ridiculously yeah, hot. Everyone in Rintaro is hot. If everyone is hot, does that mean that Especially no one is hot? Oh. <laughs> dongers raise up, apparently. Yeah. Um, raise your dongers. But as I say, if everyone's hot, does that mean no one's hot? No, it means everyone's hot. Yeah, that's probably true. This is, again, the Barbie this element. Is, it's like, everyone's just is, hot. Uh, this is a magical world. It can be whatever you want it to be. Great thing about the Magical world. It's, it's a... It's a... Sure. You know what? I've never thought about that. Everyone in my worlds are now hot. Try it out, guys. Those listeners are yeah. hot. Try it out. Yeah, make your make your NPCs super hot, even Just if they're have, goblins. Have an X card handy. Always have an X card handy. Always have your safety tools in place. Uh, and always uh, leave a rating and a review when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, no matter where it is, you can leave it in. A, it's uh, five stars to get us out to more listeners, but we recommend leaving us a um email as well sending us an email saying how much you love the show that's at dndntvpod at gmail.com which is the same on instagram still not on blue sky no one sent me an invite yet i'm very sad about it um i'm on the waiting list but everyone seems to have fled twitter because they're smart and threads is boring um so i don't want to be there anymore what else do i need to say uh thief you're not anywhere on the internet because you have a life um you, you've got, like, Twitter a Facebook, don't X you? Now? Is Twitter called X because everyone's leaving it? No, it's called it's X, X because it's the everything app. Just don't... It can go fuck itself is what it can do. Anyway, I'm definitely going to get sued over that one. Because um, <laughs> everyone's going to hear it. Well, and I can't edit out, apparently. Uh, what else do I need to cover? I need to say that we are sponsored by Masters of Alchemy. Sorry, Masters of Alchemy, for all the shit I just said. Um... The premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Uh, if you need a game, if you would like to try Blaze in the Dark, if you'd like to try I Hunt, if you'd like to hear more about Rune Terror and the League of Legends game that a thief runs, you can hire him to do so. Uh, you can totally just be like, hey, I want a thief to run a game. I want to learn all the secrets of Rune Terror. I want to learn all the lore. And he has to do it because that's his job now. Uh, so yeah, you can go to mastersofalchemy.au and find out more about us there. Um, what else do I need to cover? I don't think I do. I probably have got most of it done. Uh, we're probably going to be in a convention eventually when this comes out. Um, so until next time, stay safe, be kind to yourselves, may all your hits be crits, and what was it? Checks, hex your debt, hex debt. <laughs> hex your debt, oh god. Hex check, hex check your, hex check you later. Hex check you later.
This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.